Chapter 19, A History of California, the Spanish Period. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 19, The Precarious Footing of the Early Settlements in Alta California. The most vital period in the history of Alta California was that which embraced the years 1773 to 1776, when Bucareli, the great viceroy, was taking those measures which put the struggling colonies of the north permanently on their feet. Next in importance after these came the periods from 1769 to 1773 and 1776 to 1781. It is the purpose of this chapter to deal with the earliest of these three periods, or, more particularly, with the events of the years 1770 to 1773, not so much in order to chronicle local happenings as to provide a setting for the activities of the Viceroy, who between 1773 and 1776 was to take the steps which saved the enterprise begun by Galvez. As already stated, Pedro Fages succeeded to the authority of Portola in Alta California following the latter's departure in July 1770. Strictly speaking, neither one had a right to be called governor while the expeditions were in Alta California. Don Gaspar had been succeeded in 1769 by Matias de Armona so that he could give his undivided attention to the conquest in the north. On Armona's departure from Baja California in 1770, Felipe Berry, arriving in 1771, became governor, and he was succeeded in 1774 by Felipe de Nevi, who took possession in 1775. These men had little more influence in the north, however, than, for example, the governors of Sonora. It would be absurd to include Armona, Berry, and Neve prior to his actual rule in the new establishments, in the list of Alta California governors, and yet omit Portola, 1769-1770, Fagas, 1770-1774, and Rivera, 1774-1777. To all intents and purposes, the last three named were governors, reporting directly to the Viceroy, and depending on their theoretical superior at Loreto, only in the most shadowy way. They are, therefore, referred to as governors in the present work. In 1777, the titular ruler of the two Californias took up his residence in Monterey. Some difficulties arose in Alta California at the outset, due to the fact that Fagas's powers were not precisely defined. Father Serra, president of the missions, insisted that Fagas had nothing to do with the activities of the friars, save for a restricted authority over the five or six soldiers constituting the guard of each mission. In other words, he contended that Fagas was in the position of a presidial commander and nothing more. Fagas, on the other hand, held that he had succeeded to the powers which had actually been exercised by Portola and, in particular, that he should have something to say about the time and place for founding new missions. He was responsible for the defense and provisioning of the missions, and as his means were limited, felt that any step which affected his duties in these respects must have his sanction. 
as neither Fages nor Serra was of a yielding disposition, there soon developed a lack of harmony between them, which, by 1772, assumed the proportions of a break. A further difficulty arose, though less serious than the other, as a result of Rivera's jealousy of Fages. When Rivera returned from the peninsula in July 1770, he was not pleased to hear that Portola had turned over his authority to Fages instead of to him. Though he had been ordered to march to Monterey, he remained at San Diego. Early in 1772, he returned to New Spain. Thus, the struggling province had to suffer from a want of wholehearted cooperation. The difficulty was felt less in Alta California, where both Fages and Serra were sincerely doing the best they could, than it was in Mexico City, where decisions had to be made on the basis of conflicting reports. Meanwhile, Fages had his way in Alta California. A much more vital problem was that of the defense of the province, which was inextricably involved with its spiritual conquest. Throughout a territory some 400 miles or more in extent, from San Diego to Monterey, there were in 1770 only 43 soldiers. Three years later, this number had increased to 61. Over against this insignificant force, there was an incalculable number of Indians reaching far into the thousands. Moreover, they were not at all kindly disposed to the Spanish occupation. Indeed, thousands of them were distinctly opposed to it and only submitted because of their wholesome respect for Spanish weapons. There were several conflicts in these early years. Some took place between Villacata and San Diego on the route up the peninsula, and in 1770 there had been an affair at San Diego. Another fight occurred at San Gabriel in 1771, shortly after the founding of a mission there. The immediate cause of the last-named outbreak illustrates the difficulties arising from the presence of the soldiery, even though nothing could have been accomplished without them. The soldiers, who were rough, illiterate half-breeds, none of whom had brought a wife to Alta California, aimed too frequently at an undue familiarity with Indian women. Occasionally, they would pretend to go hunting, but it was not the beasts of the field, but rather the native women they sought. These, sometimes they would lasso as a preliminary step in a not-too-gentle wooing. Some such thing took place at San Gabriel, where the wife of the chieftain suffered. The angry husband shot an arrow at the guilty soldier, who stopped it with his shield. In the fracas which followed, the Indian chief was killed. His head was cut off by the Spaniards and set up on a pole as a warning to the Indians of the neighborhood. Despite the failure of justice represented by this event, it is said that the chief's own son was the first to present himself for baptism at the mission. In few of the missionary conquests attempted by the Spaniards in the New World were they for so long a time unsuccessful in winning converts as in Alta California. The first year passed at San Diego without a single baptism. Indeed, there is no clear record of any before 1771. The mission of San Carlos Borromeo at Monterey, which was dedicated on June 3, 1770, witnessed its first baptism on December 26th. A year later, the mission was moved a few miles south to Carmelo, 
but not for several years did it meet with much success. San Antonio and San Gabriel, founded in 1771, and San Luis Obispo, dating from 1772, encountered almost identical experiences. The Indians in the vicinity of the northern missions were less hostile than those of the south. Indeed, they were at times friendly, but the Spaniards had very little in the way of material gifts in these early years with which to attract them. As for spiritual arguments, these made no impression whatsoever. The Father Superior of the College of San Fernando in Mexico, Rafael Verger, correctly represented the situation in various of his memorials of 1771. The missions of Alta California hardly merited the name of mission, he held. He had objected to their being founded by the missionaries of his college, but had been compelled to assent because Galvez desired it. He freely predicted that the missions would fail. Galvez would get the credit for having founded them, but the blame for their failure would be cast upon the Fernandine friars. Verger was somewhat nettled at the enthusiasm of Father Sarah, expressing himself to the effect that it was necessary to moderate somewhat his ardent zeal. Late in the year 1771, Verger began at length to believe that success in Alta California was possible, but pointed out that it was not safe to count too strongly on the docility of the Indians, for a sudden revolt could bring everything down in ruin. At the end of 1773, in the fifth year of the occupation, the state of the missions was still unsatisfactory, as will appear from the accompanying table. These slender results in such a populous field seem even more insignificant when analyzed. Total baptisms, 491. Total living, 462. Total marriages, 62. Most of the converts thus far were children, so it was not possible to count on the Indian men to protect and further the work of the missionaries. The 62 marriages probably represented the total number of adult converts, which meant that an average of five or six a year at a mission had been obtained, though the three southern missions, in fact, had few or no adult neophytes. The situation was well illustrated by the case of the mission of San Luis Obispo. The Indians there were very numerous and were friendly to the Spaniards, but not a single adult convert had been obtained. The friars ascribed this to the abundance of food which the natives were able to procure, wherefore the Spaniards found it difficult to attract them to the mission. The principal causes of the backwardness of the missions were the same as those which affected the whole province. Lack of sufficient provisions, goods and effects, domestic animals, soldiers, and, above all, lack of an adequate supply route from New Spain. The Spaniards in Alta California occupied a position resembling that of the Robinson Crusoe of literature. They were set down in a land that was rich in potentialities, but lacking in the immediate requirements of civilized life. The problem of success, however, was distinctly an immediate matter, for the least upset in supplying the province might result in undoing all that had been accomplished, despite the brilliant prospects of a somewhat distant future. 
Naturally, the matter of food supply was vital to success. The dire straits of the expeditionaries at San Diego in 1769-1770 have already been chronicled. A similar situation developed in 1772. The supply ships were late in coming, and when they did reach San Diego, it was found impossible to get them to Monterey. No doubt, because there were not enough sailors left alive or free of the scurvy to man them. Meanwhile, the missionaries, in their desire to attract the Indians, had been more liberal with gifts of food than the stock of supplies warranted. As a result, famine appeared for the second time in the history of the province. Serious disaster was averted by Governor Fagas, who engaged in the most celebrated bear hunt in the history of Alta California. For several days he hunted in the neighborhood of what is now San Luis Obispo, and supplied the northern settlements with meat which kept them alive until a pack train could be sent up from San Diego. This incident was influential in the selection of San Luis Obispo as a site for the mission which was established there shortly afterward in that same year. San Luis Obispo had proved its ability to provide food in an emergency, and the Indians were grateful for the killing of the bears. The question arises, why didn't the Spaniards raise crops and thus avert the danger of starvation? The answer is that they did the best they could. Such seed as they could get, they planted. But it was a rare chance when they got back anything more than their seed. They were not acquainted with farming and knew nothing of the actual possibilities or needs of the soil in this new land. At the end of 1773, San Gabriel was the only place in the province which even so much as gave promise of an eventual agricultural wealth. The growth of rich crops was one of those factors which inevitably belonged to the future. In the matter of manufactured articles, Alta California was, of course, altogether dependent on outside help for everything from a plow or a smithy's forge down to a piece of ribbon or a nail. Indeed, for many things that were all but vital to its existence, the province had to look beyond Mexico to Spain. For example, Sarah reported in 1773 that the only forge and only smith in Alta California were at Monterey, and in any event there was very little iron to work with. He also asked for two carpenters, one for the north and the other for the south. The need for domestic animals was twofold, to serve as food and as beasts of burden. About 500 had been taken from Baja California at the outset. A number had died on the march north from the peninsula, but enough remained to furnish Alta California with an element which it needed in order to survive and also give some hope for an eventual increase. The situation in these early years was at all times critical, however. This was due not only to the insufficient numbers of the animals, but also to the lack of animals for breeding purposes. Except for the milk that they gave, the animals were little used for food, as they were too precious to be killed. But the colonists were almost often wholly dependent upon milk to keep themselves alive. Nevertheless, the need for pack animals received great emphasis. To mention only one important use of this character, a great many animals were required to carry a year's supplies from San Diego or Monterey to the three inland missions. 
Minor difficulties encountered were the theft of horses and cattle by Spanish deserters and the fondness of the unconverted Indians for meat, an appetite which they were wont to indulge at the expense of the Spanish flocks. By the close of the year 1773, what with cows, sheep, goats, pigs, asses, mares, colts, horses, and mules, there were only 616 animals at the five missions, and probably not very many besides in the keeping of the presidial garrisons of San Diego and Monterey. The situation was one which demanded remedy. The soldiers, on account of their bad conduct with the native women, were, in a measure, a handicap to mission work, but none more insistently than the friars themselves recognized the necessity for their presence. A still more important element for the future of the province was, if it could be obtained, that of permanent settlers. The total Spanish population in 1773 was made up of 61 soldiers, 11 friars, and an occasional mechanic temporarily in the province in the service of the government. There were no white laborers, no doctors, and most important of all, no women. Six soldiers had married native women, but the rest were without wives or else had left them in New Spain. Furthermore, the soldiers longed to escape this irksome service in a land which was so totally lacking in the things they enjoyed, and they frequently deserted. Invariably, however, they returned to camp, for death awaited them away from the supplies which came each year to San Diego and Monterey. The founding of missions was delayed because there were not soldiers enough to guard them. Thus, San Buenaventura, at present-day Ventura, which the Spaniards had hoped to establish among the first, was postponed until 1782. Similarly, San Francisco and Santa Clara were delayed until 1776 and 1777. The founding of the two last-named missions was most insistently desired by the friars, the governor, and the viceroy during these years, but Fagas deemed it unwise to attempt it with the scant forces under his command. In November 1770, on his own initiative, he had tried to reach the old port of San Francisco, Drake's Bay, behind Point Reyes, by going around the great estuary, as he termed it, of what is today the Bay of San Francisco. He may have reached a point in the Berkeley Hills, just north of the present university campus, since his scouts reported that the estuary seemed to extend for an indefinite distance, Fagus turned his back because of his, quote, anxiety for the camp, the cultivation of the land, and the raising of the stock, end quote. In March 1772, he made a more ambitious attempt, accompanied by Father Crespi, twelve soldiers, a muleteer, and an Indian. He had orders to explore the port of San Francisco, and establish a mission there, so as to secure that port from foreign occupation. Going up the eastern shore of the Bay region, Fagas and his men came at length to the San Joaquin River, and also saw the Sacramento from a point of vantage. Having reached the vicinity of Antioch, they felt obliged to give up their appointed task, for they lacked boats with which to cross the rivers, and did not have enough supplies for such a long journey as now appeared necessary. So they cut through the mountains by way of the San Ramon, Amador, and Sunol valleys, and found their way back to Monterey. 
no further attempt was made for some time to reach the port which drake and rodriguez cermenho had visited but attention gradually directed itself toward the infinitely superior estuary of san francisco which was soon to appropriate an exclusive right to the name formerly enjoyed by the more northerly port in any event the mission had to wait the backward state of the alta california settlements would not have been so serious if there had been an adequate supply route to the province the direct sea route from san blas continued to be as difficult as before thus the san antonio in seventeen seventy one required sixty-eight days for the voyage to san diego and there were few aboard ship who escaped the scurvy the problems in connection with the supply ships will be taken up more fully in a later chapter for the present it may suffice to say that the ships were too small and frail and the perils of the sea too great for families of colonists or herds of domestic animals to be set out in them indeed such a plan seems never so much as to have been considered the short voyage across the stormy gulf to baja california was only slightly less difficult writing in august seventeen seventy one father verger said that five boats had already been lost that year in attempting to reach the peninsula a sixth left san blas on february second and did not reach loreto until august twenty third having meanwhile been blown nearly to panama baja california was if anything less able than ever to supply the provisions needed in alta california the peninsula had not recovered from the material setback it suffered at the time the jesuits were expelled and besides it had already been stripped of more than it could well afford to make a beginning of the settlements in alta california moreover aside from the problem of the voyage across the gulf baja california was not even suitable as a route to san diego and monterey this was most clearly set forth by Father Serra in 1773. On being informed that a suggestion had been made to do away with the supply ships and make use of mule trains to carry provisions and effects up the peninsula to Alta California, he pointed out that it would take 1,500 mules and a 100 muleteers, and it would be impossible for such a number of animals to find food and drink on the desolate route to San Diego. There were not enough mules in both Californias for this project, even if it had been possible. For three years, attempts had been made to supply the grave deficiency in this type of animal by shipping a number from the mainland provinces of New Spain, but these endeavors had met with no success. The situation in Alta California, therefore, was bad with hardly a single relieving feature. As late as February 1773, Bucarelli wrote to Ariaga that he might expect an early abandonment of the province. This eventuality most certainly would have developed if it had not been for the activities of the viceroy himself. Indeed, it was just at the moment when his pessimism was at its greatest that his measures for the northern province began to have effect. Obviously, the only escape for Alta California lay in the discovery of a better route over which the elements of permanence families of settlers and domestic animals might come those acquainted with the problems of alta california began more and more to point this out 
Father Verger said that the only alternative to sending agricultural and pastoral laborers to Alta California would be to transport provisions from Sonora, and he recommended that steps be taken to increase the number of pack animals in the new establishments so that they might be utilized for that purpose. Furthermore, he consented very easily to a surrender of the Baja California missions field to the Dominicans, provided the Franciscans of San Fernando should be accorded the right to develop a route from Sonora. Sarah, Palu, and others held virtually the same views, though some, Sarah included, for a time favored the idea of a route from New Mexico. The engineer, Costanzo, who had been in Alta California with Portola, explained more clearly than anybody else the various factors in Alta California's problem of a supply route, alluding to the insufficiency of the direct sea route and the route up the peninsula, and pointing out that the settlers and supplies which Alta California needed might well be sent from Sonora. Much the same views were expressed by José de Areche, fiscal of the Audencia of Mexico. The project of a supply route from Sonora appealed to him, also because it might lessen the burden of expense which the government was undergoing on behalf of Alta California. The matter of expense was indeed one which attracted the attention of the royal government. From January 1768 to the end of 1773, over 570,000 pesos had been expended on behalf of the Californios and San Blas, of which Alta California had accounted for more than 250,000. The salt mines of San Blas earned 25,000 pesos a year, which was the sole return on the government's investment. Thus, there had been a net expenditure of 75,000 pesos a year. But this was not all. In addition, there was the cost of the goods sent from Mexico City, the contributions of the Pious Fund, and the application of the resources confiscated from the Jesuit missions of the peninsula, the figures for which are not at hand. This manifests the strategic importance attached by Spain to her possession of the Californias, for that country was not accustomed to spend money on unprofitable projects. On this very account, however, the government would have welcomed a means of escape from at least a part of its heavy expenditures. Therefore, the higher officials of the Viceroyalty turned hopefully to the idea of a new route to save Alta California from foreign occupation. End of chapter 19